welcome to Miracle Nutrition of the Mind. Join me now, won't you, as we explore the recesses of the human consciousness. Recesses by P.E. in elementary school. But the kickball are the questions that plague our souls. Who am I? Ping! That's me kicking the ball. Oh, play the game with me, won't you? We're going to explore. We're going to ask questions, then we're going to answer them, then we're going to ignore the answer and ask another question. Until we have five answers, then we'll retrieve the original answers put them together and they will make the key that will allow us to go on to the next level and that is breaking through and thinking beyond thinking by unthinking I want to explore the spaces between spaces with you let's go The universe is a vast place. So why does it feel so cramped? It's closing in on me. It has space that I can't use. If I were to buy a house, and they included the attic as livable, usable space, I would be incensed. I can't live in an attic. It's too hot or too cold. I can only stand up in the very middle of the attic. And near the edges. I would need to be very small. But what if I could take the roof off of this house and on it put another house so that the entire attic was another house and then the attic of that house was someone else's problem because then I could use my house I want to give you some tools to navigate this life not that one this one Oop, not that one Oop, not that one Oop, not that one Oop. it goes by so quickly what if there were a camera that could capture not just instances and string them together, but string them together before they happen. Would you like that? I want you to come with me now. We're going to do something a little bit different tonight. We're going to make a time machine. We're going to travel through time. You don't believe me, do you? Well, and I would like to say, first of all, so many people talk about time machines and traveling through time. And if you put on the radio late at night, a lot of times there are going to be interview shows that are made to make you feel that wonderful kind of spooky, that kind of speculative science that really grabs your imagination. You say, well, maybe there's not a lot of evidence for this, but this really gets me thinking. And I like to imagine that there's all these worlds that I am not privy to. And I say privy, it's a pun, because a lot of these worlds are, are toilets. And that I know of, I'm going to share with you some esoteric knowledge. What's esoteric knowledge? Well, it's knowledge you don't know yet, because it's, it's esoteric. And it's not widely known. And that's because it's hard to read. It's hard to interpret. It isn't knowledge you want to give to everybody, because they may say, well, this is, look, I'm you're giving it to me, and all I'm seeing is seeing the old VHS of Faulty Towers or something. You go, that's not what that is. So you're seeing it because you don't have the setup yet. So that object is meaningless to you. It won't mean anything. So I would like to welcome you tonight, my friends, my listeners, to a very special edition of the show, which I'll be sharing some of these uh, I call them beliefs because really everything that I think or, or accept as reality is really basically a belief. 
you know, I have faith in almost everything. The language that I use is achingly imprecise. Everything I say can be parsed into nothingness. There isn't one word I could use that when examined is not clearly not the right thing. We are always just gesturing and pointing towards meaning or trying to express ourselves. It's never as accurate as you think or want it to be. And the word isn't the thing. The other thing I'm going to talk about tonight is that numbers are not the thing. So we're going to have to forget about math and all that. You'll say, well, a lot of things you're saying, Hardy, don't seem like science to me. Well, because they aren't. And a lot of the questions that you might ask are also not science. So we're even. There's uh, a lot of times we are quick to dismiss experience and feelings. Say, well, that's your feelings, but that's not reality. Guess what? Are almost the same thing. When you feel something, that's your reality. And it's hard to deny. That's why it feels so real when you're dreaming and something. You say, well, it feels like a bear chasing me. Because that's all that there needs to be for you to react is the feeling that it's real. Then you'll, that's why people scream in haunted houses, even when you tell them it's not real. So it's all about your, your nervous system in a wild environment. I say that. That's not a real word, but I like to make it sound. I will take everything and make it into a, because um, I think philosophy does that a lot of times. So I'm going to take a concept and say it in a weird pronunciation. And then it's a chapter in my book. So here's some things I want to think about with you. I'm going to give you very explicit instructions to making a time machine. And you'll say, well, that, that's just, then I know it's not true. If you say you need this and you got to staple this to this other thing, and then you got to hook this up with a rubber band, then I know you're making it up because that's nonsensical. That can't possibly work. So if the other thing I was to do is to say, well, I'm going to say it with math or philosophy, and you can think yourself into the future or past, and you'll go, well, that's ridiculous. That's just tricking yourself with, uh, you know, you're just hallucinating or something. So that's not it either. I say, well, what do you want, man? You know, I, I'm, I'll, I'll get you there literally, but you have to accept that it might not make any sense. And I'll explain at the very end what's really missing and why we can't do what I'm describing. And it's, it's maddening, but maybe you'll find an answer for it. Because I think I've accidentally done it a couple times, and I'd love to share my experiences with you. Oh, sometimes life is very unexpected. We think, you know, and you just be walking along and a portal will open up to another dimension. Well, it might not be another dimension. I don't know. It could just be a little alleyway. I never know when I pass through some kind of portal, whether it's a door threshold or I'm walking into a side street. You know, how do I know really that they're connected? They didn't just hook up just right now. So let me tell you the basis of my uh, time travel and how we're going to get there and what ingredients you'll need. Not ingredients, like uh, stuff. What do we call it? Uh, materials list. That's what it is. I'm going to tell you materials list. And nothing that I'm going to say tonight isn't anything that you cannot get at either online or even at a hardware store or even at the grocery store or even at like Meijer or something. One of the places says, oh, a bunch of things. I don't even have to leave the store because can, I can make, get my parts for my time machine and bananas and hand cream which is I also will need for the time machine. So that's, uh, that's lucky. When I was learning all this, I learned it from a specific teacher because I had had an interest in uh, time travel and everything, and I had, it was an ad in the paper, and it said, we're meeting at this storefront, and come bring your own chair, and um, I'm going to learn some principles. So we get there, and um, the, uh, the teacher puts this little cube on a, uh, looks like a die without any, any pips on it. And he puts his cube on a table, and he says, that's, imagine that's the universe. That's everything. And he said, well, I can't, that's dumb, because it's a shape, you know, so I imagine things around it, so it is... It is or it isn't thing. He goes, okay, well, maybe you do it in your head, though. Imagine it's a, it's a, this thing is everything, an object that's everything. 
And we said, well, wait, we can't do that because then where's its limit? What shape is it? I can't imagine something that's everything. And he said, well, what, what happens when you do? And he said, well, it becomes nothing. And he said, well, imagine nothing then. And we said, well, we can't imagine nothing because that always bumps up into some limitations. I can, I can neither imagine everything and I can't imagine nothing. And he said, all right, so you can't imagine zero, really, completely, in, in, its, in its ultimate meaning. You go, no. You could say there's zero pennies on the table, right? Yeah, but that's just, that's not, but, it, but zero as a, just a universal concept, nothing. Can you imagine nothing? No. All right, what about one? What about just a central unity of all things, all what things? Just one. No components, no parts, everything. No, I can't do that either. And he said, well, you can if you divide it up. So you can't imagine zero or one. So you have to imagine anything or in between to get to imagining. So well, I can do that. I can start to divide it up and start to think. And uh, he said, yes, because there's, there's infinity between those two things. And I said, really? That's interesting. He goes, well, yes. And that's the only way that you're going to be able to use numbers in this reality because of time. Time is interfering. And every time you describe something with a number, it becomes wrong. It's like taking a Polaroid picture of a river. The minute you say, well, that's the river, the river's long moved on. The thing you describe isn't the thing anymore. So numbers are useless outside of casinos, really, where, you know, Within, uh, oh, I'm give me, give me five apples. That makes sense. But really, it doesn't, they don't make sense past that. And I said, well, that's very interesting. He said, yes, but you can use them in all sorts of ways within that to break up this uh, confusing place. That's either things or not things. So it's, uh, it's everything and nothing all at once. I thought, that's really great. Thank you, Guru. He goes, don't call me that. Uh, but uh, the, we, we still have time, so we're going to go on and do lesson two. Okay. First, we're going to break for grape juice. And we had grape juice, and that was lovely. And then he had all sorts of Cap'n wafers and saltines and all kinds of crackers and like that. I'm trying to cut down on the white flour and everything. So I was like, blah, blah. I didn't eat all that. And I only had a little bit of grape juice because that's also real sweet and I'm not allowed to have a lot of sugar. Uh, but it was nice to have the break. And then we went back to our chairs and he gave us the second half of the talk and started talking about time and everything like that and how, uh, what, what is your awareness of it? I said, I don't, I don't know what you mean. He goes, you do, are you aware of it passing? I said, no, you know, I don't. Yes and no, I guess. I, I notice some, some change, and I, I usually attribute it to time, but I really, I really don't know. It's, it's really contingent on my memories, and I felt okay with that until I had a relative that lost all of hers. And then I thought, well, who is she now? And then I had to start doing some mental gymnastics to imagine that you could be somebody without any sense of self or any uh, accurate view of your environment or have any emotions that had anything to do with uh, what somebody else could experience too. And it got me to question it. So I thought, well, who am I besides my memories? And he nodded and said, yes, now, now you're getting it. So now we can move on to actually making the time machine. I thought this is going to be wonderful. And I said, well, how do we do that? And he goes, well, we're going to go on a walk. Because one of the keys to making this time machine is to internalize this idea of feeling, using feeling as math when you're moving through time. So that's going to be something that you're going to have to learn is converting uh, numbers to sensations and feelings. And uh, that, that's something that we have to do through this walking or wandering or meandering. And it's best to do it in a place that you have some connections to, your neighborhood or your hometown or something like that. And it's, uh, it's sort of based in uh, psychogeography, and it's an acknowledgement that we are affected 
by our surroundings and that we are feeling things. And we might not be always conscious of how those outside uh, dimensions are affecting us inside, our sense of self, our sense of time, and our sense of space. So here we go. Let's walk through. Where do you want to walk through? Let's walk through a city that we all know. Like, like Jersey City? Well, maybe not Jersey City. I don't know. It could be Jersey City. I've had some uh, interesting feelings there, you know, looking at the, uh, looking at the Hudson and um, looking over at New York City, looking at the skyline there from uh, uh, that part of Jersey City, which is, uh, I don't know why it's escaping me, not Paula's Hook, but next to it where the path station is. Everybody's screaming it. Stop screaming it, FME people. I'm having a, a my memory's lapsing. That doesn't mean I'm not me. Um, so anyway, uh, that feeling that I get is very particular to that spot. And it's too powerful to interpret. I like to interpret the ones that are uh, more intimate when the buildings are, are right up against me when I'm on a sidewalk or something or I'm looking at the city from the very smallest perspective. But I'm next to a building and I'm looking at its stones or its bricks and I'm wondering about that. And I do for a while wonder how it got there and, and then I try to imagine what it looked like before it was there. And that is very, very, very difficult. If you were ever to really look at Manhattan, you can do this online. They'll say, this is what it looked like before there were any buildings there. And you see the trees and everything like that. And you still, because of trees, it's difficult to get a lay of the land. You know how that is. When you're in any forest, sometimes in the fall when all the trees have lost their leaves and you can see through their branches, see beyond them to the ridges of the mountains, you can start to see the contours of the earth. But mostly they are hidden and all that you can experience is where you are in your immediate surroundings, the trees in front of you. Are they blocking your view or are they the view? That's the thing. The trees are in the way of my view of the mountain. No, the, the, the mountain is not blocking your view of the tree. You're just getting to see it close up. And it really is about perspective. And it's about uh, things uh, in relation to other things. And they only exist that way. For instance, the words black and white are very interesting to me because they're also synonymous with opposites. Because that's actually all they mean. Because as a description of color, they really are pointless. And uh, we, we talk about really degrees of darkness and lightness and things like that. But black and white, their they're meaning varies, as we know. We use them to, even to describe people's skin color, and they're not even close to that. So, you know, their connotations there are psychological and deep and strange. And um, it has to do with, with worldviews and everything. And so all the clumsy, awkward language we use all the time like that. What if we could think and uh, navigate with something more precise, like numbers? But numbers aren't going to cut it, like I said, because we're having to go at a speed where numbers don't necessarily uh, help us because we're working in change. We are stepping into Heraclitus's river, and it is... Uh, changing before our very eyes, and we are changing, and we are not the same creature that stepped in it. Isn't that strange? You get, you jump into a swimming pool, and you're not even the same thing getting out. You're not in the same place. Everything's moved around a little bit. Everything is subtly different, and it will never be the way that it once was, will it? Because of the perspective. Oh my goodness, I love building things. And when I was a child, I used to like uh, putting things onto boxes. You know, you'd get a box that you could sit in, and then you can make it into a sort of ship. Well, what I would like to do is you don't want to be 
specific. I don't want it to be a particular type of ship. I don't want it to be a spaceship or this, that, kind of the other thing. I would always make something a little more avant-garde. I was thinking, what would I like to fiddle with inside? Not what would it do, what would I like to experience? Why do I need this time machine? Why do I need this spaceship? What is it I really want out of a spaceship? And for me, it was experiential. It wasn't the destination. I was not hoping to get into a cardboard box and go to the moon. I was not hoping to get into a cardboard box and go to the Great Fire of London in 1666. Especially not in a cardboard box. Oh my word, no. But what was I wanting to do? I was wanting to sit in a box. But then I wanted to sit in a box with something extra, with something to do. I wanted to act something out. I wanted to have some dials. I wanted to have some buttons. I wanted to have some pictures, maybe. I would just paste things and pictures on the walls of that little uh, ship. I would make myself comfortable. I would get cushions. And then I would tape and paint and fiddle with it for a long time and put on tinfoil and everything until I had something remarkable to sit in and then I would sit in it and then once I had created this space the kind of sitting I did was remarkably different than the type I would do if I wasn't in one of these and you know that from when you do things and you have experiences because you've put yourself into a place where you have an expectation of having some kind of special experience. So let's say you, uh, you go to a, a chapel, a beautiful chapel or church or something, and you sit down and you start to contemplate and everything. The feeling you're going to get is contributed to by those surroundings. It's what you allow them to do. They have no intrinsic power other than your perception of them. That's it. They don't really, a lot of times there's tricks in architectures that get you to feel a certain way, yes, but the rest is up to you. You do the feeling and the, and the perceiving. And so that, those work. It's the, uh, the architecture that you're in. It's the space we put ourselves in. So if you listen to this show, sometimes we talk about our mind being a little house and a building and everything. But I also tell you, you should move through actual buildings walk through real buildings and get feelings and put yourself in situations say I want there's a special building I want to be in or a special room or I want to be in this situation now it might at the time feel arbitrary say man I'm just fooling myself I want to walk in there to uh Madam Woo Woo's house of of spiritual answers and the decor itself is so exotic that it will allow me to stretch my imagination and feel as if I'm having a connection to the spirit world. That's all something you could do. Yes, but I would like to say that's, the, that's Madame Woo Woo's idea. Why don't you do it with your idea? You say, but, but then the arbitrariness of it. I know I'm making it up. When Madame Woo Woo's fooling me, I buy into it. It feels real. And then the magic works. See? That's the kind of thing with, with actual magic. It's the being how good at fooling you is. Now, can you fool yourself? Can you perform magic on yourself? Yes. You know? Can you do it and not uh, enter the realm of foolishness? Ooh. See, that's the danger then. Once you set out and you say, well, I'm going to uh, allow myself to be deluded, you know, you do walk into a, a bit of a, a trap. So how do we, we've got now, we've got a long list of things that we want from our time machine. We have to have our critical thinking has to remain intact. We've got to also have it, uh, our feelings correspond with something that we really want, really want to feel. And uh, it's got to you know, and it's got to actually work. Like, I can't just, I can't imagine I'm going through time or something. You, I, I have to be able to go back to 1971 or something to my great-grandmother's house in Haddonfield. And if that doesn't happen, it can't be a memory. You have to be standing there. But in the, the first uh, 
the first uh, question in time travel, though, is you say, why? So you need to figure out the whys of your time travel needs before you can do them. Because there's, there's, a, there's mysterious answers. When you get into that time machine and you say, I want it, when do you want to go? And you say where you want to go, there's a reason. And you have an idea of that place already. Right? You're not going to come up at the time you never heard. I'm going to go to the years, the billion, the billion, and on the planet, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, you're never just like, oh, well, that doesn't, we're not sure that's a thing, but here, I'll set the dials. You're going to more likely say, I want to go into the future when, you know, to, uh, to, to 2880 or something like that. And very specific. Earth, you know, see what it's like. You know, why? Why do you want to do that? And I'm not going to answer that part. That's for you, that's for you to answer. Because you can't, and I'm telling you, you can't say out of curiosity. Because we just wake up in the morning out of curiosity. That is a, a lot for us. Motivations, most things, that's just the, that's the base motion right there. Is curiosity. That's what gets us propelled towards action. But this is different. You start thinking about the reasons that you want things, that you want to imagine things or experience them. And your relationship to time might change a little bit when that happens. And that's really what we're going for, is we're going for experiencing time differently. And um, what, how we're going to get there. And I think crafting is one of the ways to get there. I think one of the first things we should do is make some sort of control panel or some kind of box that you can get in. The next time, I don't know whether you're in the market for a washer and dryer. Somebody in your area might be. That's just about, if that's if they still come in a box, man, grab that. A lot of times I see them getting delivered and they're just wrapped in plastic like the Laura Palmer of appliances. But if you can get them in an old cardboard box, that would that's lovely. And they may be making less of those. I don't even know. And maybe we should get them made to order. And maybe they should make them especially for, for time machines. Now, it doesn't have to be cardboard. Now, you can make your own box. I wouldn't make one out of wood. It's going to be so much heavier than you think. Good Lord. So I'm going to make one out of plywood. What? How thick? Half inch? Half inch. Brother, you're never going to... You could put a... You could live on top of that once you make it. That's your... Yeah, yeah, no, that's uh, that's too much. That's too much ship. You can make it can be lighter than that. You know, when you see a lot, of, I don't know much about UFOs and I and like zero, but um, you know, I've heard like if the things exist, you know, they're not very heavy. And I thought about that, and I go, well, maybe heaviness. I wonder what they're made of. Maybe they're a very very light material that can zip around like that. Or maybe if the technology is good enough, it's an impossibly heavy material that's just uh, not subject to gravity. You know, there's that too. But here's the thing. We're, we're making um, something that is subject to gravity, and we're making it probably on Earth. So I'm saying probably not plywood. I don't balsa wood. Balsa, you know, will splinter a little. I'm thinking just the, 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 the cardboard stays together better. And if you going to integrate duct tape into it a little bit we've got something that's going to be durable you can roll around in a little bit and we want it to stay together for at least one trip so um again this isn't the type of time travel you go yeah oh i, I remember that i was in a jungle in south america and i took this drug and we sat around on mats and then i felt like i was going through time but it was really a drug or i was going through time i don't know but is it like that no no, it's not like that, uh, because that, that's all extra stuff. That's all the stuff you can't control once you ingest something like that. I've felt that way with, uh, you go, oh, this is sweet tea. And if I'm trying to watch my sugar or something, they go, Ugh, it's in me now. And uh, here we go. I'm going to be chatty, and then I'm going to have a headache. So, uh, you know, we, we, uh, we want to do things maybe... I'm not, I'm not against drugs. You know that. Yeah, there's some great ones. Just fantastic. The ones that, the anti-inflammatories, love them. 
blood pressure medicine. Oh, there's some good blood pressure medicines out there. And uh, a lot of them are keeping us alive. I don't mind being kept alive. Um, I, th I think that's the prime directive. Really, I feel like that. Stay alive. Just stay alive. Why? I just do it because maybe. And uh, that's what I always say, because maybe. You don't know. Um, what if he does? What if? You know what? I just want to get to the end of Hardy's show and he maybe has the answer. Well, the answer is at the beginning. So I'm so sorry. We're getting, we're going to get to the end and there's just going to be more, we make more questions because that's the way time works. It, it blossoms forth like a tree. It branches. It sends out dendrites. It speciates, you know, it, it uh, forks. It, it makes uh, all these, it exponentially grows. And so there's always double the amount of tips of the branches at any given time we've we're moving on it's a dynamic system it's a it's an explosion really and we're riding in it oh it's a river oh it's an ocean oh what is it i can hardly understand it i can i'm not always sensing it accurately Oh, my senses, I've been around long enough where now they begin to fade and I get to see the contrast between the vision that I had as a young person and the hearing that I had as a young person before it was uh, taken away by, uh, I don't know, Black Flag or some uh, one of them and my vision which was taken away by, I guess, these print, these uh, books that they've just printed because they're so cheap, they print the type too small, and then you have to read a lot of them in college, and then your eyes go, and you go, oh, yeah, now I, so now I've read Thackeray, but at what price? Because now I can't see street signs. And maybe they would have aged like that anyway. Maybe it's presbyoptia. Maybe I got old eye. Maybe I got elder eye. Maybe things just change and evolve. I am not the same human that I was when this show started even. I may have learned something. What if I said something or had some idea during the show? You've heard it. You've heard it. It's happened many a times. I have given birth literally during the show. Something's come out of me. I've thought my way into a new reality. I have become a different hardy. And uh, it's all because what? Time's being added to it. Time was there all the time. Time is what is the problem because that's the thing that can't be stood on the other side of to get a good look at one or the good look of zero. We're just trapped in the middle here watching it. And it's, is it unfolding or is it never folded to begin with? Are we moving across it? Is it revealing itself or are, are we revealing itself to it? It's hard to know. I'll tell you, one of the things that I shoot for are the feelings right now. I like to put myself in situations that I know I'm going to experience something that will make me feel like I'm not suffering. It will help me forget that perhaps this river is moving so swiftly because it's headed to a waterfall. But, you know, I can't do anything about the waterfall. And if I become preoccupied with it or I want to go back in time to the beginning of the stream or I want to go forward in time past the waterfall, what's the point? To what? You know what happens when you go back in time or forward in time? I'm going to tell you right now. It's really weird, but you end up exactly where you are. This is not some kind of trick of language. This is not about numbers. I'm telling you, it's absolutely truth. When you start asking yourself, why do I want to go to a place? Why do I want to go forward? Why do I want to go back? By the end of it, all of that, you will realize that you have moved through time to the future or to the past, and that's where you are now. It's freaky. You are now wherever you wanted to be. Oh, my goodness. It's too late at night for you to be discussing this, Hardy. I am making a pilgrimage in, well, it's, I'm not a pilgrimage. Vicki asked me to come 
to London in October. And so I have been uh, doing a little research about how I could visit some landmarks that have implications about uh, time. And there's one, there's a, there's a particular building that is, um, well, it's, it's kind of a, uh, not even a building. It's a, it's, I think it's a machine. I think it's a giant machine. And that's a St. Mary Woolnoth church that was designed uh, by Hawksmoor. Now people have, have speculated about this building in fiction and they say, oh, there's a child sacrifice and he was satanic and everything about it and blah, 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 blah. Well, I don't know anything about that and uh, Jack the Ripper stuff. All I want to say is this building is clearly not a church. It's a time machine. You can look at it and tell. So um, if you can stand in front of it for even the smallest period of time, you will, you will have gotten there by time traveling. And that's how you know. It's, it's a weird, you'll see. Try it sometimes and you'll, you'll see what happens. Um, you'll go, oh my God, I was just here or I've been here or I'll be here later or this is the later of me being here. It's not clear. So um, you don't know whether it's, it's present, but it's a memory, but it's a vision all mixed up in one. So you have the past memory, the present experience, and the vision of the future at the same exact time in certain places on Earth. And they have to do with a geography that only you have access to. Only you know where those places are. They are not universal. You may very well go to this, to this church and nothing happens. So I don't, I don't know where that space is. You've got to find it. And you find it by being playful with your brain. It's very hard. You cannot think at it directly. It's a way of using your emotions to do complex equations that you can only kind of sense and feel. And you, you've got to look for clues. And the clues are never obvious. It's a... Um, matter of moving through life, using the things you're observing, and using a sort of poetry to make sense of them. So juxtapose things constantly. Say this thing and this thing seem to be at odds, or that it's very strange that, you know, uh, Tom came over and he was wearing that, uh, that t-shirt, and it said Camden, Maine. And I had a cousin, uh, who was really a, a second cousin, and she used to be a photographer, and she would go to Camden, Maine for these photography seminars. And I remember I also had a shirt like that. Now it's gotten me thinking that there's some relationship to my friend Tom and to this uh, aunt and uh, Aunt Joyce and, and to, to Maine and to me now. And I have to think about that. And I'll take that with me as I start to think about other things, and I'll look for other clues that might fit in. And they're never really, there's no solving it. You go, aha, it all comes together. It's not, it's about, as the clues start to come together, it's not that they make a coherent picture. It's that they create a sort of song, a sort of harmony. And it's, it's always complete, and it's always never complete, just like a song would be. So that's a song, but then I could add It's not like it's complete now. It's never complete. You can add your little part, and it keeps building and growing and everything like that. Oh, those are the complex equations that we're going to make that we're using instead of math to get this time machine to come together. Um, you'll notice how you, how you feel in spaces is up to you. Like sometimes very small spaces don't have the same effect on everybody. That might be claustrophobic. So, oh, I like a little cozy space. I could get in a, a steamer trunk and be happy. And other people go, no, I need one of those. I need like a, a, a foyer of an Atlanta mini mansion that where they, you walk in and the ceiling is like three stories. 
right? That's it. And then I don't feel, but then I could relax there if I had like a chaise in the foyer of an Atlanta mansion, uh, and I could fully relax on a, uh, maybe there would be, the floor would be made of terraza and, uh, or something like that. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Oh, you know, that's not everybody, because so that could be your machine right there. Now, and you'd want to adorn it. You'd want to have other things going on. So could I introduce smells and everything? Very important. Very important. As you know, I love fragrances. It, but it depends on your senses. Say, oh, well, I had, uh, um, I had the, uh, uh, the virus, My, the virus iris. So I had the virus, and I had uh, I don't have my sniff, and I can't smell anymore. You might say, "So well, okay, well that's that's awful." But then you don't need. It's not as important to put in the smell components. Then, you know, you you feel me. So it's the things that you can feel and experience. That's what you're going to need. So can you do you still have um, sensation in your fingertips? You say yes. Then maybe you could get a nice copy of um, Pat the Bunny. You know, I have a I have a large one, Actually, a really large version of Pat the Bunny, where you can put your there's there that little finger hole where you put your I put, you can put your whole hand in. It's so big, and uh, it's just full sheet of sandpaper on the daddy's beard part. It's wonderful. It's large print, so I can still enjoy it because I like te- even adults like textures. I get uh, I get a little piece of cellophane. I say this is fa- I get fascinated by it. A lot of times, people have a pack of cigarettes. I go, can I have the cellophane? And I, go, blah, 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 blah. Um, I have done that for a, a, a kazoo or something, you know, or a, uh, remember I was talking about swazzles next day, uh, last uh, last show. So you want to make something like that to make your voice all. <laughs> I can't do it. Um, that, uh, it would be awful if you had a condition where that was, you're talking like punch all the time. I don't know if that's a thing. There were, and I remember, I think one particular, it might even be malice, not malice, um, disorder in the court where uh, Mo swallows a whistle. And he's breathing in and out and you hear the whistle because the whistle's lodged in his throat. And that um, is very disconcerting to me, especially because as a kid they had an uh, an emergency episode. There was a show called Emergency. Uh, Rampart, 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 we see the man across the street just fast. And emergency, Gage and DeSoto would come up. They were the EMTs. And this was a show on television. And one time somebody had, was choking on a tab, cola tab, when you used to be able to pull them off, people would pull them off and they go, I'm going to take this sharp piece of metal, stick it in my can, and then drink it, and maybe I'll swallow it accidentally. And they would, and they'd get it lodged in their throat. <sighs> Come on, uh, uh, Brad's choking, Brad's choking. And they'd had to give him a tracheotomy. And I guess they don't have anything like that on the, on the EMT bus truck. So they'd use, they used like a ballpoint pen or something. This is my memory. I don't even know if this is the show. And they talked him through it. Rampart, which is the hospital, talked him through it. And and Barbara Bain, I think, was one. And said, you know, stick it up. And they get the, I don't know how they get the tab out. Maybe they never do. But um, that always disturbed me. So any kind of choking thing that I would, you know, um, see on TV after that was very, very alarming to me. And I wish Mr. Rogers dealt with things that were that. I was probably too old for Mr. Rogers at that point. But I wish that he was there to assuage, like, all fears. You know? It's like, don't worry. But here's all the list of things that you can't control. Um, he does he list. He tends to list obvious things that are sort of unambiguous. Like, your body parts won't fall off. Well, maybe they won't. You know? Um, leprosy. But um, he doesn't get into the subtle things. Like, you know, he just says, like, oh, your mom and dad will protect you. <laughs> well, you know, you don't know my mom and dad or something, maybe. So he does better when he assuages fears that are, un, uh, you know, that have no justification. But I don't know about the other ones. You know, just don't worry about it. 
he's a good man. He was a good man, I guess. Um, I'm not here to judge people or to praise people because I don't know them. And I'm not even, I don't even know their, you know, I'd feel so stupid to go, you know, he was just a character. Could have been. It's on TV. Expecting people to be real. I mean, the, the house was fake, right? You, most of the time you see something on TV, like I say, go, well, everybody's an act. Everybody's fake. But there's sometimes you just don't want it to be true. You say, well, I know, I know that it's a show and everything, but I think it's real. You know, I think he's, I know that's a fake house and it's a, it's a TV set, but hmm, maybe it's a little bit real or he's a little real. Andy Kaufman did this to people. You know, well, is he, is that, is he really like what? Oh my God, it's a stage. It's television. Almost everybody you're watching is an actor. And the reason that they don't want to really, really let you know that is because of advertisements. Because they're using people and you go, oh, I met my butt itches. Here, have this, put the cream on it. Oh, nothing works like that cream. You know, and so they got to, those kind of people got to passes. They do it now. They're like, what am I going to do with this? Oh, you know, call 1-800-55-5-5-5. Call 1-800-55-5-5-5. Oh, what do I, I got to call JJ on uh, Good Times and give him my zip code. My zip code is 40. Excuse me. Oh, this came out my zip code. Now somebody would have it. <coughs> People used to call it zip it, too. What's your zip it? I don't know if they do that anymore. People do mail. You don't, y'all don't mail anything. Say, so I, I want to challenge a young person to write their zip code in cursive. No, I'm just, I'm killing, I'm killing you. I am, you're killing me. Who's killing who? Who is Zooming who? Are we Zooming each other? That was fun. That, that, that was answered during the pandemic. That question that, that was bantered around for decades. It was like, here's, it's your boss. And they're Zooming you and your colleagues. And one of them is doing something inappropriate. So that's the answer. If there's any other musical questions that need to be answered, time may do that. I don't know. I like to, I want to be no, I want to be certain. Isn't that it? Is it, it's the uncertainty? Well, I just like to know going in. Yeah, wouldn't we all? But if you did, you wouldn't have to do it. That's the damn thing, right? So I want to, I just want to know before I go there. Hmm, why go there? That's the whole thing. This day, uh, you, 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 you must understand. Why must I? Well, you don't have to do anything. But should you not like to be driven mad, uh, do understand that there's absolutely no preparing for anything. And uh, your expectations are usually wrong. And they're beautiful and they're based on probability. You're calculating probability all the time. But the way that works is, you know, it's just based in uncertainty. You're taking the little the information that you know and you're trying to extrapolate and you're trying to build a whole picture from a fragment. It's like on those shows where they go, we've got this blurry picture and we're, you know, we've just got these features. We can't quite see who the bomber is, but look, you know, they, 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 they walk like Tim Conway. Well, so you can narrow it down. Well, it's not Tim Conway. He's gone. And uh, they have to, but they have to fill in the blanks because there's missing information. So, you know, here's, here's the people that it could be, that kind of thing. You know, this is what it might be, but it's all probability. And we're all, everything that, all that, that fear is coming from not knowing what's going to happen. Nobody knows. And the people that tell you, a lot of times they're accurate because they make it so. You know, especially the people that are persecuting you, they do that. They go, I'm going to make a prediction. I'm going to kick your ass. They're, some, they're accurate a lot of times. So uh, there's that, you know, and that's, uh, that's a great certainty. But then there's things that, you know, that we can't uh, predict. And that's because they may or may not happen. And that's a product of time. And you say, well, well, maybe they've already happened. Maybe everything has already happened. You know, that's one view of time. It's like, well, it's a static thing. We're moving through it now. It's all once, all already happened. Everything in the past and the future has already happened. And that's one way of looking at it. And then another way of looking at it is absolutely in reverse. And that is that it hasn't any of it happened. And then once it happens, it hasn't happened. So, you know, you're moving through you know, an, an, an infinite division. If you divide something up infinitely, 
then you're not moving anywhere. You're moving around, but you're not getting anywhere. And that's, like I like to think of it as, a, as that, as something that's uh, dynamic, that's both blowing up and blowing in, that's caught between everything and nothing, and that we're being battered around in this beautiful sea of experience. And it, what it does is it makes us feel like there's just a moment. And I'll tell you, let's do this with the moment. Well, that's right now. There's lots of problems going on inside and out of us. Some of us are sick. Some of us are troubled. Maybe it's been going on for some of us are lonely. You know, it's, God, it's a lonely world. It's so weirdly lonely. You know, it's, uh, we, we feel often just even alienated from ourselves. Do you even know me? Well, everything feels there's an otherness to it, isn't there, a lot of times. And then other times, you forget yourself. You're just part of a thing. You're just a color in a beautiful field of flowers. You're one of many. And you dissipate, and you're gone, and there's a nothingness to you. And you go, wow, I was looking for an identity, which I thought was something specific. And then this blissed out feeling comes from the opposite. Not feeling any sort of identity, being all free of descriptors. Which is it? You will need a box, duct tape, colored paper, scissors, different kinds of pens, a stapler, rubber bands, pipe cleaners, aluminum foil, cheesecloth, an actual pipe, some PVC pipe. By actual pipe, I meant a tobacco pipe. Not You can't use a bong because it's going to be a lever. So it's the shape that matters. It's not what we're using for. A lot of this stuff is repurposed. Mason jars, three different sizes. How many do you need? That depends. That's, on, that's up to you. Uh, thimble, pin tomato, no pins, no pins in the pin tomato, because you've got to be able to, you have to be able to squeeze it. Um, melodica, it can have buttons, keys, whatever, but it has to be a piano you blow into. Um, Rubber hosing, like the kind that you use for um, fish tanks. All right. Um, the thick rubber hosing that looks like, oh, I don't know what you use it for, hot water bottle, so to speak, that kind of hose. So it's kind of opaque, maybe white. Um, you want to need some washers or washers or washers or washers. You will need... Um, Quarter inch, half inch, one inch, machine head screws for hobbyists and coated with the uh, zinc or the uh, enamel or what have you. And that doesn't, that isn't a thing. I just said that. You don't need any screws or anything. Don't, don't do that part. Listen. Oh, stickers too. If you have any fun, do you have any fun stickers? Oh, those are great. Get some of like um, Funny Face. Used to be a great kind of like a um, Kool-Aid kind of alternative. And they had fun. I wonder if they had any stickers. Also, Wacky Pack stickers, Wacky Packages, which were um, package parodies that were existed in, uh, that came in bubblegum. And that I think Art Spiegelman might have done some, so even. So those are amazing. And um, he didn't do it. There were there were no there were no uh, mouse themed stickers though in bubblegum. What a, what a drag. That, I mean, it's a great. I love it, but that would have been. That's not what you want with your bubblegum. Uh, oh my goodness, I I, 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 for, I forget sometimes that we have a we have a time limit. I hope that you have uh, enjoyed our visit so far.
my goodness, you know, I want to be able to, to be here, a spot on the radio where we can talk about things that you're not going to hear about on other shows or other radio stations or even not even podcasts necessarily, I think. I don't know that there's anybody who would have told you information that I'm telling you like I'm telling you it at exactly the same time that I'm doing it. That it feels rather unique to me, you know? And that means that, that we're special. We have something a little different. Maybe we're on to something. Is it, what's the difference between being on to something and being on something? Sometimes there's very little difference. And uh, I, I love that you and I can have this freedom. And that we're, if you limit yourself where you're going to go, I always thought that about, bless the hearts, about a lot of religious philosophers. If I'm going to think about the universe, but I've got some rules, things that I already know are true, so I've got to start there. Like, oh my goodness. Wouldn't it be wonderful to start from a place where you're like, I don't know what's up. So I'm just going to start from zero and try to figure things out. Because if I have to account, so you can, you know, figure out the universe, just make sure that Mark uh, is, uh, you know, ha you, that he has a special place in it. And that is probably contingent on his existence. Well, all right, but that's going to be a hard thing to think around. You can do it. Use math. That's the best way, because math, you can, you can prove anything. Yeah, yeah that's, that, that, might be, that might be true. But I can't, I'm not going to use it right now. I want to use something that I'm using, and that is my feelings. And I want to be able to beam them at you. And I want you to feel uh, loved, and, but not by me, by you. Don't say, oh, I, Hardy loves me. You don't know, I'm not anybody. Um, I, want, I want you to say that to yourself. I want you to feel loved, but not by me, because then that's burdensome for me. Then you become dependent. So uh, you love you, and uh, and then and I will too. It's just you do the you do the most of it. I think it's like that when somebody's moving. Even like you say, I need help moving. They're gonna be you know you're gonna be there helping. Well, yeah, it's my stuff exactly. So you you know you are gonna be doing the lion's share, and then I'll pick up the extra loving. You know when you feel when you're weak and when you feel tired and when you are down, I'll lift you up. When you're already up, you don't need me there, but I'll sort of spot you. I'll stand there. I'll stand there and grab the bar if it's gonna come down and crush your chest because your sternum is protected. Your heart is protecting your heart. Oh, I'm your workout buddy in life, but I can't be there on Friday. I have another commitment. You cool? Okay, just use the machines. Just use the machines. Oh, my friends, I, I am so glad to be with you. Oh, we are nearing the end of our time together, uh, both figuratively, literally, on Earth for this show, everything all at once. Oh, you're listening to Miracle Nutrition with Hardy White on WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope 91.9 in Rockland County and in New York City, New York, and online at WFMU.org. Oh, worldwide freeform radio, the way it was. I got a tons of buttons. I got a I love you. Oh, thank you so much for listening to this show. I'm blessed and grateful. You are the most, I'm not just saying this like they used to say on, you know, you're just fabulous people, what a great audience. But really, I know so many of you personally. You really are wonderful, lovely human beings. And understand that if you're discouraged about, so, oh, man, we live in this world, so many people are brain balls. They really are. But I'm, I'm telling you also, there's some just incredibly good, big-hearted, uh, uh, loyal, conscientious people who, who, uh, who take their obligations seriously and who try to uh, reduce suffering and increase joy in this life. And I'm so thankful to, to know you and that, we, that you lift me up when I need it. And I hope I do the same for you. Thanks uh, for being with me, and I'll see you again next week.
Twins neighbors ever me. Her name was Mahogany. Twins neighbors ever me.
a walk to the corner store. I was at the counter. That's when you walk by, holding your sane eyes. You just brushed right by my side. I swear I got but. 